Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Let's talk about our water supply and how wildfires could impact the quality of our water, what we should be concerned about. Joining us to do that is Monica Amelko, Professor of Civil and Environmental Engineering at Waterloo University, also Canada Research Chair in Water Science, Technology and Policy. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thanks for the opportunity to speak with you. I appreciate it. Well, it is something that whether you're in the fire zone or not can have a big impact. How concerned should we be about our drinking water and our water supply and uh, the threat of wildfires and what wildfires can do to that? I'm so glad that you're asking the question because, of course, water is essential for life, right? Without water, that's when we start to see the spread of disease. And we saw that the COVID-19 pandemic certainly taught us that, the importance of basic hygiene and sanitation. And so I think people would be surprised to find that, yes, wildfires can release contaminants um, that could potentially threaten health. But the good news there is that we have capacity to treat many of them. However, uh, I think people would also be surprised to learn that it's some of the aspects of water that are affected by fire that aren't health contaminants per se that can actually have very long-term impacts on our water supply and the ability to provide enough of it for all of the uses that we rely on uh, on those water supplies for. And when we talk about uh, the impacts of wildfires, I think we do tend to focus on the fires themselves and fire suppression. But after the fact, are, are we looking at what could be introduced into the water supply, uh, be it dirt, met- metals or things that get into those rivers and lakes? Absolutely. So if we wanted to break it down a bit, um, we could say, OK, first and foremost, we think of the fires and the 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 change on the landscape, one of the immediate things people think of, and it's been in the news if we go back and think about what's happened in the U.S., for example, in the Rockies, we think of uh, debris flows where you actually literally have logs coming downstream uh, and filling up a reservoir and preventing us from being able to store enough water for the coming year, especially in areas that are reliant on snow melt. So that's a concern. But once you get past that point, we start to, you can break things down and think about, okay, is the fire occurring in the built environment, the more urban, or we call it sometimes para-urban, that interfacial landscape, or is it occurring on a natural landscape? Because if it's occurring on the urban environment, we automatically worry about things like our water pipes in our house, for example, are they being not even necessarily burned, but heated and uh, releasing chemicals into our water supply in our house after the water's already been treated? So it's it's sitting literally in the residual um, the, that residual materials in our house. So that's one of the things we worry about. But even if we're, the fire is occurring on the forested landscape with not a whole lot of built material in it, we also worry about the the sediments, uh, and that's what one people think of frequently. Uh, you know, the the dirt or sediment in the material it makes it unpleasant, but that material can carry things with it. 
Uh, and amongst them, you uh, rightfully mentioned metals. And of course, we know metals like mercury, for example, if we don't remove them from the water, um, they can make us sick. But fortunately, again, most contemporary water treatment plants have the capacity to deal with that. What they don't deal with so well are typically challenges associated with some of the nutrients like phosphorus and carbon, and those can wreak a lot of havoc. And so do we do we kind of uh, like you say, we have water treatment facilities and we uh, I think pride ourselves in B.C. at least on having some of the best drinking water there is the water that comes out of of the tap. Do we do we are we blindly, though, uh, thinking, okay this water is great or not even kind of open or looking at the fact that that these wildfires that, that could have an impact on it or could change the quality of our water? I think you're touching upon a really important point, because first and foremost, people pride themselves on high quality water. Sometimes they refer to it as pristine. No water is pristine. All water requires some level of treatment. And at a minimum, that's disinfection for microorganisms. Even the deepest, highest quality groundwater can be exposed to viruses. So that's the first thing. But then the other part of it is how much infrastructure do we invest in? If we have high quality water, In a way, when there's a disturbance on the landscape, we have the most to lose. So absolutely, these systems can be pushed to a point that is beyond what they've been designed for. We don't, we don't, of course, we never, ever distribute unsafe water. There'd be a boil water advisory or even a shutdown. But if we want to have that water longer term, some of these impacts can last for years or even decades. Uh, And those tend to be the ones that are less common. So, for example, you can have a fire far away from you, but if that water is flowing downstream towards where your water intake is for your community, it might carry with it nutrients that can challenge your chemical dosing system. If you have a a chemical dosing system, which most systems do if they're removing sediments and solids, or they can bring with it uh, nutrients like phosphorus. And phosphorus is really important because you might not see impacts of a fire for five, six years. But when enough of that material makes it downstream, all of a sudden you can have algae blooms. And most people probably have heard of algae blooms because they can produce toxins. And those chemicals are not, maybe they might hurt you. They are, if they are high enough in concentration, they can definitely hurt you, which means we have to have even more sophisticated water treatment. So there can be these cascading impacts, not necessarily everywhere. And not every fire is going to have any impact necessarily, but they certainly can happen. And this is something we have to increasingly prepare for. Uh, do we need to look at then further purifying water as as residents having more water purification in our homes or or is it more at the level of water treatment plants that uh, your city or municipality uh, is the one uh, that's taking the lead in that? Well, I think it's really that's a really interesting question in and of itself, because certainly on the one hand, uh, you want your municipality to be appropriately planning for those potential scenarios. But. How are they going to prepare for what might be happening in the pipes of your own home? And so these are discussions that we need to have. You know, when I first started working in wildfire and water, I thought that that this was going to be a project. People around us said, why would you want to study that? You know, fast forward 15 years later, and these, this just keeps happening, and it's happening over and over again. And, and it's, we have fires on top of where fires have occurred. And it's not just the fires, it's the subsequent rainfall that carries that material off the landscape. So, you know, we as Canadians have to recognize this is our reality and it's not going to change. And so your question about who's responsible, I think we have to have joint initiatives to figure out what's going to be the most cost effective. 
Monica Amelko, we'll leave it there for today. But thank you so much for joining us and talking more about water and water safety. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Monica Amelko is a professor of civil and environmental engineering at Waterloo University, also Canada Research Chair in Water Science, Technology and Policy.